Senior night for Omaha Men's Basketball tonight at Baxter Arena. Gets Oral Roberts at 7 o'clock. Nick Davis will be the lone Maverick honored. It's not a bad thing. Mavs need this one with three games left in the regular season. They're right in the mix with a number two seed in the conference. At only two games back with a 13-15 record, 6-7 and seven mark in the Summit. It's still there to wear white at the Summit League Tournament, which would be good. Game tips off at 7 o'clock, and if the men are here, that means the Fighting John Shriners are in Tulsa to take on the Golden Eagles. That game also tips off at 7 o'clock. Uh, some uh, local news that you guys will definitely have some opinions on here. Omaha Hockey Hall of Fame coach, longtime administrator, ex- administrator. I almost mm. said exterminator. I, I thought I that's where you're going. No, yeah. Anyway, Mike Kemp announces retire from the department effective in May. He arrived as Omaha Hockey's head coach on July 1st, 1996 then elevated to the position of Associate Athletic Director in May of 2009 after serving as head hockey coach for 12 years in March of 19, was further elevated to the position of Senior Associate Athletic Director of Events and Facilities, and then in 21 was named Executive Associate Athletic Director. His imprint is all over Omaha Athletics. When you look at the facilities and the management, uh, the things that they did with the conversion of Caniglia Field and uh, the construction of Baxter Arena. Speaking of Maverick Hockey, they're home this weekend to face Colorado College tomorrow night and yesterday. But yes, I saw that story. I thought of you too, and uh, you guys know a lot more of that stuff more than I do. So, hey, number ten ranked Colorado College. Hey, Kemper is a gem. Yep. I mean, that's forty-eight years in college athletics, and uh, him and Don Leahy getting together for the birth of Omaha hockey. Uh, he has he has been man. He, he's a friend. Yeah. And you, you know him, and I know him, and uh, we've seen him in his different roles. Mm-hmm. But when he was the head coach, boy, that was a fun beat to cover because. He does all kinds of access. He was super honest. I mean, yep. he always is. Uh, but, man, he has done so much for Omaha hockey on and off the ice and the sport of hockey. Loves Omaha athletics. Yep. And if you, saw, if you saw a clip of his presser yesterday, I mean, he got pretty emotional talking about how much this city and, and that athletic department means to him. And, uh, you know, he's still got a, a couple of more months. Yeah, uh, they're going to host a regional. So yep. he, he kind of part of that. That was like his last uh, thing yeah. is for Omaha to be able to host a regional up in Sioux Falls. So it's pretty pretty cool for Kemper. I knew I knew this was the plan. That's kind of one of the reasons why permanent athletic director was not on the table when he yeah. was the guy between Trev and Adrian. Uh, but man, he's he's a gem. Great great person. Great family. Uh, and he gets to be grandpa. He's got yeah, eight grandchildren. Exactly. Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd go I'd go even further. I mean, everything you said is spot on about. What he is as a person, as an administrator, as a coach. I mean, they were they were a for a, an upstart program. Not only to have the following, which is a testament to yes, the fans and, and something new, but you had to be at least consistent. Give them a reason to keep coming back to the Civic Auditorium. I mean, they had the consecutive sellout streak going there with over eight thousand every night. Uh, they were constantly. I mean, if I don't think they had a season where they were maybe below sixth or seventh in the CCHA. Uh, at least they're for the good chunk of of that time that they were on their run there. They get to the NCAA tournament. Everybody remembers when they were at the Joe. You know, those are a lot of the the, the coaching highlights. And they produced some some stud NHL players, too. I mean, they, they, again, had a lot going for them with the hockey program and what he was able to do. I, I've probably enjoyed more of my time with, with Coach as the administrator as well because – and you you mentioned how he was sort of emotional during the press conference yesterday. He's a guy that wears his emotions on his sleeve, but he's he's just he he bleeds for that athletic department and, and for this city for a guy who's not from here. And there's there's a story to be told maybe at a later date, but 
uh, one time that we all went up to, me and a couple of friends that worked in the athletic department went up to uh, Minnesota Duluth to watch Omaha play up there. And Kemper was up there. This is when they were kind of scouting a lot of the different venues mm-hmm. uh, to see what Baxter could be. And I'll never forget that weekend. Like Kemp was kind of like our wingman. I mean, it was it was hilarious. He was just he knew well, and he, you know he's very familiar with Duluth, obviously too, and so he, he knew all the places to go, and he was just a blast. He was such a good ambassador, but he was just so much fun during that time. That's probably when I got to know him the most because for anybody who's probably met him once, you know, he's a personable guy, but also a guy that when it comes down to to being about business, he was about business too. He was that perfect blend. But I think. Anybody who had even more than a year's interaction with him or a relationship with him, like you said, Gary, you just you think of him as coach and you think of him as a friend. I mean, that's just yeah. that's perfectly who he is, and and I, I know he takes pride in that too with those relationships. Low key funny guy, absolutely. Oh gosh, yeah, and always with a cup of coffee, always always with a black cup of coffee. Mm. There, there's no cream in that. Sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> in other inter, uh, in intercollegiate basketball, reigning Big East Player of the Year, Tyler Kolick breaks Marquette's 29-year-old single-game assist record. Who thinks he is? Scott Skiles. He had 18 assists. Oh, that's 12 shy of Scott. Cam Jones scores a career-high 34 points, and number 7 Marquette bounces back from their uh, nail-biting defeat to UConn over the weekend. They beat DePaul 105-71. to can, can I jump in here? You can. If you look at his line last night, Look at how many shots he took. So 18 assists is, I mean, that's, hello. Pretty good. He only took two shots last night. Yeah. Uh, DePaul's terrible. Yeah. yeah. But, 10 assists in the first 12 minutes. But only two field goal attempts for Kolick last night. Yeah. Boy, the the, the first team. Going about it going the, about a different way. Hey, the first team all Big East is going to be tight. I mean, I think there's Newton Shireman, uh, Devin Carter, and Kolick. Mm-hmm. Who's that fifth guy? I, I still think Newton is probably a shade ahead of Shireman for player of the year in the conference. Yeah. But those are my four. Grab me a fifth guy on the all Big East team. And and, team. and I don't recall off the top of my head, do they do it where it's by position or they just do the best five? I think they do the best five. I think. So you want to grab somebody off of UConn? You know, you said, so you said Newton, Kolick, Shireman. Who was your fourth? Devin Carter. De- Devin Carter. Klingon doesn't miss that amount of time maybe there's an argument there uh cam spencer maybe there's an argument there uh, you throw a or trey in there I, I you know trey maybe um point is if you make second team that's nothing to be ashamed no of. That's, no they're really not good. at all but yeah that's that's crazy though just two attempts mm-hmm. i like it uh, Tony Miller set the previous school record many forget with 17 assists against Memphis way back on March 4th, 1995. I remember where I was that day. I was in school. <laughs> Kolick approached that mark a couple of times last season, knew he had a chance Wednesday after tallying 10 assists in the first 12 minutes and 13 by halftime. All right, I'll go all me for you guys. Uh, I remember where I was the day before that, too. March 3rd, 1995, I was at the Alamo Dome watching the Spurs beat the Rockets 124 103 on NBC. Why I remember that? It's my 12th birthday. So, okay. but noon games, which meant uh, they didn't sell beer till 12 o'clock and you would see people just scattering like cockroaches when the light goes out <clears throat> at noon to head to the concession stand. So anyway, the more, you know, the Rockets <laughs> got the last laugh in the playoffs that year. that's a different <laughs> conversation. Uh, the idea of a 14 team college football playoff starting in 2026 was discussed at the CFP meetings in Dallas yesterday, just months before the start of the season, the first season with the 12 team playoffs. See how long that lasts. 
Uh, Executive Director Bill Hancock acknowledged the idea that was discussed, but declined to provide specific details, saying there's work still to be done. Just got to figure out how to make more money. Uh, With CFP officials pushing to finalize the deal for a TV contract for the next eight years, three lingering issues remain unsolved. Unresolved access, distribution of money, and governance. That should go well. Hancock said the issues need to be resolved within the next month. The management committee, which is made up of commissioners and incoming Notre Dame athletic director Pete, don't call me Kurt Bavacqua, met Wednesday and discussed potentially expanding the field. Never too early for 80s baseball player references. Hell, after the current contract runs out, the during the 2025 season, the most dominant discussion of a new model revolved around a 14-team playoff. But there's some that say they could go higher, perhaps one day 16. Oh, anyway, finally, the Southland Conference suspended eight players Wednesday for their involvement in a uh, brouhaha that followed Texas A&M Commerce's 76-72 thrilling overtime victory at most hated rival Incarnate Word Monday night. The brawl, which broke out during the handshake line, lasted for more than a minute, spilled across the floor as players and coaches from both teams ascend- attempted to stop the melee. As you heard the other day, the broadcasters very worried about how that would all play out. It's unclear what sparked the fight. Probably words. Four players from each team were suspended for flagrant, unsportsmanlike actions. According to the Southland Conference, these suspensions will begin immediately. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. It is also today, uh, this is one of the greatest days in the history of sports in this country. It is the 43rd anniversary of Miracle on Ice Day. Yes. Lake Placid, New York. Mm. February 22nd, 1980. In the semifinals, the U.S. defeats the Soviet Union 4-3 before only 8,500 people inside of what is now called the Mm -hmm. Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid in a game that was uh, tape delayed. Mm -hmm. Much like the NBA Finals. People forget about that and people forget that that wasn't actually the gold medal game, too. That. The United States had to play one more game to secure the gold medal. Uh, I was born for two months. Also brought about the uh, one of the greatest Sports Illustrated covers. People forget game. about Sports Illustrated. Uh, they do. They do. People forget that they work there. <laughs> um, uh, it happens. Uh, but happy uh, Miracle on Ice Day. Arguably the greatest day in American sports in this country. No, hard to argue that. I mean, for me, as... As a just red, white, and blue. You, yeah, we yeah. all have our individual teams that have won titles, right? Uh, like back-to-back Super Bowls. Um, but in terms of red, white, and <laughs> nice blue, I can't think of a bigger one. No, I, I would not. I would not think of a bigger one when it comes to uh, country sports, and then the underdog factor as well. If the soccer ball gentleman could get to the championship in uh, right. the World Cup, that could. Be up there. That would be exciting. I think if they make a movie after you, it's a big deal. Yeah, and there's something about it. They made two. Yes. They had a made for TV movie because Carl Malden uh, was Brooks, was her Brooks. Mm -hmm. And then they said, nah, you know what? Walt Disney would like to put their spin on it, and we got the better movie miracle. Snake Plissken. Kurt Russell, yeah, yeah, Snake Plissken. He did a good job. Draw. He did it. He was believable as, as a hard ass. He's coach from Remo Minnesota. Williams was believable, but even the even the guys that they had uh, or casted, Remo Hightower, you know, as all of the different players. They, again, they all. This is how I judge sports movies. They all passed as yeah. I could I could buy that person mm-hmm. as a hockey player. I could buy that person as a baseball player. Yeah, they okay. They sound the part. They look the part. They did a great job with that. That that, that movie for. I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it's still very popular for a generation. Again, I was. I'd, I'd been born for not even two months, but it was always referred to in my family. I have three older brothers. 
my father, uh, my mother. I mean, they, they, were, they referred to it because it was a time in our country that was also, you know, you've got inflation going on. You've got a lot of different things. You know, the that hostage are, crisis yep, is still going yep, on. There was a lot of uh, social economic issues. And it was almost like that that feel good moment. Like it, it's it's not only a sport, a great sports moment, but it's a great historical moment for our country because it sort of transcended sports in that time of 1980. And I'm glad that there is a movie that sort of encapsulates all of that. So generations of I wouldn't even say sports fans, but of just you know people that are interested in the history of our country. You know, you get to see that because I thought it was very well done. Also, uh, if you uh, if you're a hockey fan or you're in hockey, you probably met somebody that was on the roster. Like who who hasn't been in an event where Michael Rizzo? Yeah, I've, is I've, at? I've seen Rizzo, and um, uh, uh, Johnson. Why am I just blanking on his first name? Mark Johnson. Mark Johnson. Thank you. Um, would like to meet Jimmy Craig. Um. And I know, and that was the other kind of sad thing. I think there's there's a lot of people in the hockey circles that have met before he passed away, and actually during the principal photography of that movie of Herb Brooks, there's a guy that if he did some type of speaking circuit, I would have loved to have sat down and just listened to not not only just that experience, that experience obviously being a big one, but just I mean the fact that he was a very very successful coach at. University of Minnesota as well. There's a reason why. And his hockey background. Like it, but a guy that did it in a very unique way to sort of make himself the enemy of the team so that brought them together. Like there's, there was a lot of leadership tactics that I think were very interesting that I would have loved to have had a chance to interact with. Him. I, uh, I interviewed him once, caught him on a bad day. Did you? He was at the icebox. Okay. Uh, wasn't the most pleasant person in the world. Um, got to know when I was with the Penguins, got to know Craig Patrick, yeah. who was the general manager of the uh, Penguins at the uh, time. Uh, so the two movies that were made, the Walt Disney movie, which is probably the most famous with Kurt Russell's Herb Brooks, which that movie focused. So the one that was on like maybe a year after the miracle on ice happened was aired on ABC and they used actual footage from the game and commentary mm. uh, was more centered around the entire event. And that was on ABC television. Like, okay. I think it was a Sunday night movie. The Walt Disney one, they went with the purpose of that movie is all about Herb Brooks. Yeah. But if you really want the perspective on how monstrous that moment was in this country, it's, it's probably about eight or nine years ago. Did you ever see the 30 for 30? The Miracles of Men? Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. But, it, but it's told from the perspective yep. of the Soviets. Yes. And, and, and it, yeah. it shows you how devastating that was in yep. the country for them to lose to the U.S. on that Friday night. And the, like the version of Rocky Four we never got. Well, and, and also the, the absolute five. machine that they were, like robots, emotionless, and, you know, they, would be, they wouldn't be around their families for, like, months at a time where they couldn't. I mean, it was, it was forbidden because not only were you in the military as a, as a hockey yeah. player, but... Your, their training schedule and as intense and as elaborate as it was, was so fascinating. And I remember, I'm trying to, was it, it wasn't Tridiac. I'm trying to remember the, the guy who's, who's kind of the main focus, kind of tells the story in, the, in that 30 for 30, but talking about like how he didn't really have a relationship with his daughter, his wife, and how, I mean, that was kind of, that, that was pretty much commonplace 
and how they did they sort of admired yeah. when they watched USA celebrate that victory that they kind of looked at them they looked at that entire team in awe because they saw that joy that they had why can it be fun yeah that they had not yeah. experienced for so long because all they knew was winning and if even if they won a game but it wasn't the way that they were supposed to win or in the fashion that they were trained to win then you know they were they were criticized big time and hey, a big soviet overreaction is <laughs> well, so this you know this, so the one thing about that sports illustrated cover is you're going to have to help me here Jimmy uh, is that the only Sports Illustrated cover that had no headline? Uh, Tiger had one too. Okay. Yep. I remember Tiger had. Uh, I think it was. I think it was the 2018 Masters. I don't think that had a headline. Uh, Rolo Tomasi on Twitter. Uh, more iconic call. Do you believe in miracles, or I don't believe what I just saw. Ooh, still got to be it. Do you believe in miracles? I'll go with that. Well, Al Michaels recreated that for the movie. That was They cool. did not use the actual clip in the movie. Uh, he came into a studio. He's told the story yeah. numerous times. They had him come into a studio, and he nailed it on the first take. That's awesome. Like That would be tough to do because yeah. that is the most iconic call in the history of the Hall of Fame career of Al Michaels. What was also really cool about that is, you know, you get the – his commentary in the pregame is word for word, and obviously you've got him and, and I think it was Ken Dryden are mm-hmm. sitting or standing next to each other, and they're doing the pregame, the open, and obviously Dryden's is you know from when that happened, but Al Michaels, it's his you know his now Al Michaels voice and not young young Al Michaels, but he did it like verbatim, word for word, and it was like effortless, like that. Yeah, that that. that there were so many different like technical things about that movie too that were really really fascinating. Uh, there was there's a documentary on the making of that movie too, which is actually really really good because of the interaction that the actors had with the current team because they wanted to make that thing as real as possible. So when the guy who plays Michael Rizzioni is going over like the goal itself and then his mannerisms after he scores the goal and it, like it's almost to a T. Like the current players are really like proud of how they pulled that off i thought that that was really cool the only other times there were no words uh miracle on ice tiger but then also when mickey mantle died and i do remember that because i remember getting that and that was august 21st 1995's issue Mm. Uh, but back to don's point on twitter i mean al michaels and vin scully hello Mm. hello Mm -hmm. they have both of those iconic uh calls all right so celebrate accordingly what you do call your favorite russian <laughs> Have a white Russian. <laughs> oh, That's there you true. go. There you go. Watch the Big Lebowski. Yeah. I, I don't know that I know any like Russians that are not athletes, but like like personally, yeah. I don't think I know anybody from Russia. Yeah, I don't know too many Eastern Bloc people to begin with. So yeah, Missouri's about as far east as I go. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's gonna be tough. I always though to thumb through my phone. I, I always was very in interested. Uh, when I lived off of Ninth Street in Lincoln, there was a sign that had the Germans from Russia Museum in Lincoln. Of course, I mean Lincoln. Yeah, I never, I never went. Did I, ever, I think I, why did still, you go? I think it still exists, but I'd always see it. And I was like, that's kind of interesting. Why don't you stop? We in? we have a museum in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska. For the Germans that lived in Russia. Yeah. Uh, what time do they open? Could we send Sip there for a segment? <laughs> Could be on to something. Actually, it wouldn't shock me if Sip's been. I wonder if uh, he has actually uh, been there. I bet he has. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great. But yeah, when I lived in the neighborhood, I was like, that's kind of interesting. 
That's um, Borscht. That was what, like 6th and D? <laughs> I think where the museum actually is located. I don't know if it's still open today. That's I don't know how popular it is. If people come to Lincoln and go, I want to go see the Huskers, and then I want to go see yeah. the Germans from Russia Museum. Mm-hmm. All right, we can do both. The, sto- right. the story's untold. 28 past the hour. Uh, the look at Nebraska basketball. Hey. Wins the road to Nebraska ball. Michael, join us coming up next. <laughs> Mornings with Sharp and Hanley on 1620 The Zone.